Yesterday in the United States, the CPI came in hot, scorching according to many, which means inflation is back. And if inflation is back, then rate hikes and higher for longer. Yet, despite inflation being back, despite supposedly higher for longer, the markets just aren't buying it. They aren't buying it anywhere, and they're not buying any of it. Even after the CPI report came in again yesterday, 10-year treasury yields in response to it actually declined a little bit, not a whole lot, but continuing their steady path over the last several months. For example, the 10-year U.S. Treasury, the benchmark there, around 430 before the, the consumer price number, then down to around 425 afterward. Then in, uh, today, even with the retail sales report to many that was uh, offered more evidence for a resilient economy, 10-year treasury real hasn't moved much at all. The two-year treasury, uh, that particular spot on the curve, which is pretty sensitive to if there was going to be higher for longer, we would see it in the two-year. But the two-year also has to take into account what's being priced in the 10-year, the longer term, longer side of the yield curve. And so the two-year, despite the hot inflation report, despite the comforting retail sales number or the strong economy retail sales number, however you want to ca characterize it, the two-year remains remarkably, remarkably steady, right around 5% where it's been since early July. It's almost as if the market has put a ceiling on the two-year right at that 5% mark. It's gone a little bit above at times and a little bit below as it is today, but right there on 2% or 5%, excuse me, despite what evidence comes in, what statistics come in, despite all the interpretations in the mainstream about this is inflationary, this is a strong economy, therefore higher for longer, it's just not making it into the market. And it's just it's not just the treasury market, of course. We see the same phenomena happen in, in markets around the world. The German, uh, German curve, for example, today, ECB surprised with a rate hike or surprised some of the rate hike. And despite that further rate hike, German yields are moving downward. And we'll talk about this in an upcoming video. But the markets overall are sending us a reliable, steady, consistent signal, no matter what kind of statistics come in, no matter how we're supposed to interpret them, at least according to the mainstream view, markets are remarkably stable. And we're going to turn to a specific industry for maybe some answers as to why that is. So we'll talk about that industry, what's going on in it, as well as what was in the CPI report coming up in the rest of this video. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University, of course. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm still in Leeds in the UK attending the EAEPE conference, which has been terrific so far. In, a, in another upcoming video, I'll talk a little bit more about that, why I'm here, what I'm doing. But we also have, I should tell you, research subscriptions, including something called the Daily Briefing. And the Daily Briefing, as the name implies, We'll give you a sense of what's going on every day, macroeconomic news, market news, particular focus on curves and what they're telling us. That comes out every day. There's news items in it. There's my interpretation that goes along with it. The information about it is at our website, eurodollar.university. So an industry, an industry that has been giving its uh, quarterly update, its quarterly report card to the stock market anyway, and that's airlines. Airlines have been sending some key warnings over the last couple days. This is just recently. Airlines had been experiencing somewhat of a renaissance this year, especially this summer as it appeared. Americans just want to go out and spend on travel and book vacations and all sorts of 
just getting out of the country, get, especially intercontinental travel. Um, airline bookings are up, traffic is up, profit uh, profit outlooks were up, as were airline results. But over the last couple of days, it seems as if something has changed. Part of that something is, of course, oil prices. Suddenly, costs are back in the uh, back at the forefront of all of these recent reports because. Airlines were not expecting the Saudi Arabians, the Saudis, I always mess that up, the Saudis to have uh, spiked oil prices with their supply restrictions. Now we've got oil up around $90 per barrel in the United States, above 90 in some of the other benchmarks around the world. And airlines are finding that they cannot, they cannot pass those costs along to customers. Instead, They're telling us that customer demand may be weakening, and it's not just going back to normal after a boost, a a, a a particularly good summer travel season. Let's start with American Airlines and what they just said. According to CNBC just a couple days ago, Americans said it expects adjusted earnings per share to come in between 20, 20 cents and 30 cents in the third quarter, down from a previous forecast as much as 95 cents. So it's a big downgrade citing more expensive fuel in a new pilot labor deal. The carrier halved its operating margin from a forecast earlier this summer to 4% to 5%. So already oil prices as well as wage costs are eating into profitability. So in in a truly inflationary environment, what would American Airlines be doing? They would be passing those costs and more if they could get away with it to their customers. Anybody buying a seat on American Airlines moving forward would have to pay more. But as it turns out, American tells us they can't pass those costs along. Airlines have lost the pricing power they commanded last summer when capacity was more constrained coming out of the COVID pandemic, even though demand has been strong, at least according to CNBC. But has demand been strong? Well, American Airlines actually said, if you read their report, that no, demand is actually waning. One reason why they can't pass along these increased costs to their customers by raising their prices, because there aren't as many customers. Customers are being turned off by prices to begin with, and demand is weakening pretty much across the board, not just for American Airlines. Let's turn to Frontier Airlines. Frontier Airlines just a couple days ago. In their quarterly update, they said this. In recent weeks, sales have been trending below historical seasonality patterns. So it's not, it's not just a hot summer coming back to normal. We're going below historically, historical seasonality patterns. Additionally, fuel prices for the quarter are expected to average approximately 23 cents per gallon more than previously forecast. Operational cancellation levels are elevated relative to management's earlier guidance for the quarter, driven in part by the impact of tropical storms Hillary and Hurricane Idalia, as well as, and this is the part, they, they buried it under the tropical storms and say, yeah, that's why cancellation. But they also, they also admit, as well as continued challenges with the operating environment. And what are those continued challenges in the operating environment? Just what I said. Consumer demand for travel appears to be really waning. And for a more specific look at that, Let's turn to another airline that just reported recently. This one is Spirit, another low-cost carrier. 
During the last few weeks, the company has seen heightened promotional activity with steep discounting for travel booked for the second half of the third quarter through the pre-Thanksgiving travel period. In addition, fuel prices have increased since the company gave its guidance for the third quarter. As such, the company has reduced its third quarter 2023 outlook as noted in the table that accompanied the press release. So the airlines are telling us costs are rising we can't pass those costs along to customers because demand is actually falling. This is, this is not an inflationary environment. On the contrary, what it suggests is that number one, weak demand already, but number two, that consumer purchasing power along with airline and corporate purchasing power is really being impacted by this latest oil price surge. And that oil price surge is likely to produce more disinflation, if not deflation, because eventually, not just airlines, but companies are going to have to respond to increased input costs that they can't pass to their customers by either taking the hit to their bottom lines and maintaining le their levels of payrolls and, worker and workforce, or they're going to have to really start cutting costs, if not in their workforce, around their workforce, but really that's where we're looking here. All of these economic and macro factor headwinds are finally combining in a such a way that we can actually see in a in an industry that was up until just recently thought to have been really truly booming maybe emblematic of the resilient strong economy that economists and policymakers have been telling us they're worried about now this industry is saying we're having real trouble here and it's coming in both directions weak demand on the on the top line costs that are rising, impacting bottom lines. And the more the two of those continue to collide, the greater the risk to the general economy. It's already a serious problem, but the therein lies the bigger problem. As it becomes a serious problem for individual businesses, they then have to, it raises the chances that they're going to have to take more drastic action in response. Whatever the CPI numbers actually showed, the market appears to be reacting more toward what airlines are telling us than how the CPI numbers themselves at least are being interpreted. When you look through the entire CPI report, though, what you see is that the same thing that we've been seeing for quite some time. Uh, we've talked about the difference between tips break-evens, which are consumer price expectations in the treasury market, They've remained remarkably steady too. this this continuous theme in the marketplace, steady tips, break evens, even though oil prices have gone nearly up, uh, ascended to nearly 45 degree angle. The markets are saying this consumer prices, uh, oil prices, energy prices, that's not going to be inflationary. In fact, it's likely to be disinflationary, more likely to be disinflationary than not. And when you look at the actual details, you kind of get that segregated, uh, that segregated impression. Energy prices are back up against, not really surprised there. The rest of the CPI numbers, including the core rate, maybe that's what the, the most response the market was showing was, was to the core rate, as we'll see in a minute. The rest of the CPI report outside of energy really was more tame than not. Still the theme of disinflation. Let's start with the headline number. The headline number was up 0.63%, which is the highest in quite some many months. That compared to just 0.17% and 0.18% in the months beforehand. Year over year in August 2023, the CPI rate grew by 3.71%. 
that's up for the second consecutive month, which has people talking about restarted inflation. After bottoming out in June at 3.1%, it then accelerated moderately on base effects last month in July at 3.3%, and now we're back to 3.7%. So superficially, you can see why there's lots of talk about inflation being reignited again. The core rate, the core CPI, the one that we've been told to focus on pretty much all year, that had been disinflationary, very visibly disinflationary for two months running in June and July. June and July were both 0.16% month over month each month. This month in August, it accelerated, but only to 0.28%. Remember we had been stuck in the core CPI rate around 0.4% for what was it, six or seven months running and really around 4.4% plus or minus a few basis points going back further into 2022, which was one reason why policymakers kept referring to the core rate because for a long time, it seemed like it was right, it was gonna stick around that level. So even though the core number accelerated from July to August, it didn't accelerate to the back to where it had been before June. And remember, it was Jay Powell at Jackson Hole last month who said, we're watching this core rate. He said the lower monthly readings for the core inflation in June and July were welcome, but two months of good data are only the beginning of what it will take to build confidence that inflation is moving down sustainably toward our goal. So while Jay Powell needs more convincing the marketplace is saying either inflation isn't actually inflation, there's no inflation risk, or if there is uh, some increase in pressures from especially energy prices, it's likely to boost the CPI only temporarily, and then it's going to roll over with the rest of the economy, and not just the United States, remember, this is a global phenomenon, such that future CPIs are likely to be still significantly less than we're seeing right now. Nothing ever goes in a straight line anyway. Markets know that even if policymakers don't. It goes up and down. There's bounces along the way. And the question is, what is the overriding trend or underlying trend? In this case, the market is saying it looks a lot more like what the airlines are telling us than what maybe people are interpreting as a restart or reignition of actual inflation pressures. And you can see that in some of the details, the further details of the CPI. We look at, uh, uh, for example, just rent. Uh, some of the rent numbers, the, the market-based rent was steady around 0.48% compared to 0.42% in July. OER, that actually decelerated a little bit. Uh, the artificial imputation that has been plaguing CPI calculations for quite some time, that continues to drop, which means, at least according to the CPI number, there'll be less pressure from that part of the CPI bucket, which is substantial. Um, the all items less food, energy, and shelter. Though that one accelerated and accelerated from two months of very small negatives to plus 0.27%, that just means after a couple months of negatives and a few months before that of disinflation, we're still right back in the same place. If this is the upside to the all items less, those, uh, less food, energy, and shelter, it still suggests more disinflation than not consistent with what markets are telling us. Same thing with like, for example, used in new vehicles. Used vehicles, those turn positive. The price index for new, for new vehicles turned positive after four straight months of small declines, but it was just a small positive, nothing more than a monthly fluctuation there. Used vehicles, 
they declined, uh, those prices declined at an accelerating rate in August. Uh, that was the third straight dec decline, 0.5% in June, 1.3% in July, now 1.5% in August. So on balance, what you see is energy prices. I mean, gasoline, the gasoline index or motor fuel index in the CPI was up almost 11% just in August alone. And that had a knock-on effect all throughout the CPI and the PPI too, which came out today, which we won't get into here. But energy prices, they rebounded, they, they surged, which we were expecting. It's what that actually means. Does that mean that consumer price pressures are back in the way they were in 2022? And the answer, at least according to the curves, to consumer price expectations and treasuries, to rates around the rest of the world, even shorter term treasury rates like the two years, I said, just not buying the restarted inflation. In fact, we're still remarkably steady across the entire curve and across so many curves, across swap curves, different types of curves. The markets are com completely confident. They're still resolute despite the, the short run swings back and forth in whatever consumer price number, despite the hawkish rhetoric, despite the hawkish action by certain central banks, markets just haven't budged. And that is the most important takeaway from all of this. So maybe the CPI is back in the short run, but the markets aren't buying anything more than that. In fact, what they're really telling us is that this last, this, this latest oil price spike that is contributing to current CPI numbers is likely more likely than not, like the airlines have said, to harm, to harm macroeconomic circumstances going forward. If you want to see more about the swap market and the swap curve and what that's telling us about maybe a underlying banking crisis, check out the video link below me. As always, I thank you for joining me. Huge thank you to Eurodollar University subscribers and of course, our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.